0: Hey, I'm Benoit Père. here's what's coming up on the show.
1: Welcome to another ATP Tennis Radio podcast and this week, just days after a momentous two weeks in Australia, we look back on the twists, the turns and the federer fueled magic of the first Grand Slam of the season. I'm Seb Lozier and over the next half an hour or so, we'll hear from the Swiss maestro himself. We also have Marin Cilic, Grigor Dimitrov, Kyle Edmund, Hyun Chung, Leighton Hewitt, Michael Chang... Kena Shikori and much more it is a packed podcast but where else to start than with the main man himself a 20th Grand Slam and a record equaling sixth Australian Open title Roger Federer is the third man in the open era to win four or more Grand Slam trophies after turning 30 following in the footsteps of the great Rod Laver and in the aftermath of this most recent win, Gabriel Clark spoke with Lever himself, alongside Andre Agassi, Stefan Edberg, Pat Cash, Marat Safin, Andy Roddick, Pat Rafter and Henri Leconte, all wanting to pay tribute. He's the greatest player the men's game has ever known, and at the 2018 Australian Open, Roger Federer made history once again, claiming a remarkable, record-breaking, 20th Grand Slam title.
0: I love watching how uh, Federer can make such a physical game so effortless and graceful.
2: Everybody loves Roger, the way he plays, the way he acts on the court uh, as a sportsman. The longer he stays in tennis, the better it is for tennis. He's
3: done it! And look what it means to Roger Federer.
2: He's been blessed with great physical abilities, and hand-eye coordination, he's sort of got the package.
4: Federer claims Grand Slam title number seven.
0: He's the most complete player of, of all of them. I learned a
5: long
6: time ago not to be surprised by anything that Roger Federer does. We're all watching something pretty special.
3: I think he's magical. I'd congratulate him every time.
0: champion. So happy for you, mate. I love watching you play. I love watching you win.
3: Federer wins the French Open for the
7: first time in his career.
0: Congratulations. It's unbelievable. Bravo, Roger. Félicitations. Champion.
4: It's like surreal. I don't know how to explain because um, I never really thought I would achieve 20. Here I am, having one again, achieving the epic 20. You know, milestone. Something that's never been done before. It's it's pretty surreal. It's crazy actually.
1: And emotions were still raw a day later
4: still a little bit confused that it's all over and that I was able to do it. Last year it was more straightforward, you know, it was just disbelief, couldn't believe it happened and uh, I don't know, this year it seems more surreal. I'm not sure how much I really felt like I could defended I just felt like it was again like last year something was gonna come in its way one guy was gonna catch fire and uh, I was not gonna be able to stop him but look maybe next year when I do come back I might might actually believe I can win it but then I probably won't win it you know so it's better to stay relaxed about my chances especially in my later years on on the tour and I think it served me well that I stay more relaxed well love to come back I know I forgot to say that during the match you know (laughs) at the end because I don't know remember what I was saying at the end but uh, (laughs) All I wanted to say is a big thank you and that's it really. A lot of people do thank in a moment like this, but of course I hope I come back and again next
7: year.
1: And it's not just on court where Federer is making his presence felt. His foundation in Switzerland and Southern Africa continues to go from strength to strength.
4: I'm really proud of the way we've been able to build up the foundation from the very beginning over a decade ago now and seeing where we're going now, reaching the goal of having helped one million children by 2018, uh, truly on the way to achieving that goal, which makes us very proud. And obviously the field visits for me are most special always when I get a chance to interact with the kids. them, play with them, building blocks, seeing how they're working in school, how the help is actually getting there so we have quality education in the areas we want to get into and yet we're still far enough away. We don't tell them exactly what they need to do, we really want to empower the people in the region so they become stronger and help themselves as well especially. and uh, speaking to the the parents to see how happy they are. Uh, Chief of Villages, you know, just everybody involved is just such a wonderful feeling when you go there and uh, you come out of it and you're so motivated to do even more. (laughs) But it's just hair. It puts things into perspective when you get a chance to do something like this because it's something totally different than hitting the yellow fuzzy tennis ball over the, across the net. This is uh, something so much more important and has such a deeper meaning. It makes me very proud that I can change the world for a lot of the children, you know, through the Roger Federer Foundation.
1: Back to matters on court and what has Australian Open runner-up Marin Cilic made of his start to 2018?
8: I'm enjoying how I'm playing. I think I did good in the off-season and, uh, you know, those things are paying off on the court, which is uh, a great thing. I'm just being a little bit more aggressive, taking a little bit more chances. And I think I'm trying to play as well, a little bit closer inside the court, uh, when I have the chance that I'm going for the shots. The journey that we all take as players, uh, it's, it's, uh, individual for everyone and then after the career i want to be able to look back and say i gave it all and i used the opportunities that i have as a player the best i could so you know i'm trying to uh, do it every single day the best i can my goal is to finish in top five um you know it's a big challenge but you know i'm improving every single year and you know that's a challenge that i want to succeed in
1: and Chilich not the only one resetting his goals for the season after getting off to a flyer.
9: Championship point number three for
1: Hyun Chung. Deciding point. serve to the backhand of Rublev. It it's sits up Chung. Puts it away! The biggest weekend of his career so far. The next-gen champion just a couple of months ago and now a Grand Slam semi-finalist. Hyun Chung's admirers are many and varied, including his coach Neville Godwin, Mark Philippoussis, and first... Todd Woodbridge.
6: One of the best movers to watch around the courts, nearly of all time. I've seen some pretty fast ones, but what I've seen in recent times, particularly at the Australian Open, it's so much
9: fun to watch. 21-year-old hungry kid, they don't show much respect for anyone, they don't really care who that person is or who that champion is. He made his initial breakthrough in 2014 and didn't initially work out that well for Hyun but I think he's coping with it a lot better this time and he's a lot more comfortable. He feels more confident in his, in his own abilities and his own abilities to deal with life on the tour. He's just a really calm guy, he doesn't really get too up or down about too much so I think he, he brings that personality onto the court and he doesn't let like, the outside distractions get in his own way. He's shown that he has the game to, to move forward and to compete with the big boys and uh, you know he's much more of a complete player. I think he's still very young, only 21 years old, but uh, he's got so much potential and I think he demonstrated that last year in the next-gen finals.
10: After Milan, I finished in the win and I played really good last few weeks and this week as well and I'm just trying to focus on every point. The fourth goal, I I want to finish the season without the injury because I have a lot of injury last few years. And second goal is I want to everything better than last year. Now I like to play in big station with the top player or just trying to stay calm. I'm not gonna scare anybody anymore.
1: And that same competitive streak has been there from day one against his big brother.
10: I started playing tennis when I like seventh, with I start with him. Actually, I start before tennis. I have I playing taekwondo in home, but I more like to play tennis with my brother. I never rest in the weekend, and I always practice with him. In, when I start tennis, I always I want to beat my brother. I want I trying to beat my brother all the time when I am young, but it's not easy to beat him. But when I bigger, yeah, I beat him like three years ago. I made him in features in like when I start in the tour, but I beat him like twice. Chung
1: is the champion in Milan. The Korean becomes the first ever winner of the next gen ATP finals.
10: We have a chat for family. So when I finish the match, so my mom and my brother text me, it's good, good job, looking forward and ready for tomorrow. Always. My mother's always watching my match. My mum never is more than me always when I play match on the tour. Always.
1: Another player who rose from a top 50 ranking to the last four in Australia was Britain's Kyle Edmund. And away from the court we found out a little more about the 23-year-old and his other sporting passion.
7: When I was really young I had my my bedroom decorated in like Liverpool paper and then my bed sheets were at the time when Owen and Heskey were um, were there, as I could do they cover of them, and then the pillow was uh, was like the back of his shirt said so Owen ten, so that was like the first I guess like when I got into it um, and sort of the very first time I remembered them when they were around. You have all the like emotions, like you getting into it, and when they don't score, you're disappointed. I guess it's like people watching tennis like when you miss shots but that's what you do as a fan you you get disappointed and when when they score you'll see you're over the moon so I'm, I'm just like that and I sort of you know when players don't perform well it, as a fan you're like oh get them off get them on the bench but as a player you know it's not just easy just to turn up and play from tennis you you miss shots you shouldn't miss and you have bad days so you, you can understand like every day they can't perform to the best but yeah i'm just a fan like normal my favorite memory is when i did go to anfield against Southampton. i was lucky enough to actually sit in the director's box and then before the game i don't know how but like, someone was on a table with kenny Douglas and phil thompson which was very, which was quite surreal actually just chatting to them he he actually likes his tennis so he was sort of interested in, in the tennis calendar and obviously like He's probably the biggest legend there. Any Liverpool fans to say that they've met Doubt Gleish or spent some time with him is is amazing. So that's you know something even when I'm 30, 40 to say that I did that was was pretty cool.
0: What's going on guys? It's GD right here. I'm gonna answer some questions for you. If you could only eat one ice cream flavour for the rest of your life, it would be Häagen-Dazs cookies and cream for the rest of my life. Well hello Grigor, what are some of your favorite countries in the world? Well I love the Australian trip, Uh, It's can arguably be one of the best ones um, for me, absolutely. Then I love being in England, and pretty much anywhere that I can enjoy the sun. Even though in England the clouds are getting on the way sometimes, but those two places are my go-to spots. Are you more into movies or series? I love movies when I really feel it, like when I have the time to kind of stay up late and don't care what time I'm gonna wake up in the morning, but other than that, a couple of series before you go to bed, we're good to go. If you could be a pro athlete in any other sport, which would it be? Track and field uh, or long distance runner. If you could learn any language in the world, Which one would you choose? Um, well, I'm living in Monte Carlo, so I guess the other language I would like to learn is French. Who is your inspiration? I get inspired very easily by Batman. He's my favorite hero. All right, there's a very good one. Yo, Grigor, sometimes you have a bad day in the office. What mindset should you have to survive? The biggest asset you have is yourself simple as that. When you get out there on the court, you have no one else to count on, only on yourself. So be accountable for your own actions. Take the bull by the horns and do 100% from yourself. And that's the best thing you can do. How everything else would unfold, up to God, up to everything else. So control what you can't control.
5: You're listening to ATP Tennis Radio.
1: This year's Australian Open was also the swan song for one of the fastest ever servers in tennis, Sam Groth. The Melbourne man sat down with friend and former world number one, Leighton Hewitt, to say his goodbye. Grothy, you know, this is
6: where it's all going to end for you, mate, as a professional tennis player coming in. Um, you yeah, know, When did you make the decision, I guess, to, to actually shut it down, and especially at the Australian Open?
9: Yeah, I mean, obviously... The decision uh, sort of happened after the US Open, um, the plan was to come back and get myself ready for you know, an assault at the end of the year and to come and be into this year and I think when I came home and, and obviously we had a few chats about it and I spoke to a lot of people close to me um, and I just don't think my heart was in it to keep going to the level that I thought that if I was going to do it I could do it properly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so sort of the end of last year, and obviously I wanted to be able to go out at home as well. I think that's yeah. important to be able to go out here.
6: And you sort of had two careers as a tennis player. You had one early on where you came out of juniors, but then you actually gave up because of injuries. Uh, went and played a bit of footy, um, but then came back as a player and you had a lot of your major success in that second sort of career. Um,
9: I guess tell us you know, some of your career highlights. Yeah, I mean... Um, Obviously winning the New Cooper medal was great but it was on the back of a really good year for me. I made third round here in Australia and third round at Wimbledon where I got to play Roger Federer and I took a set and then we made semis at Davis Cup that year and we had a huge quarterfinal tie. It was probably one of the biggest highlights of my career when we came back from 2-0 down against Kazakhstan up in Darwin. We put the nation on our back. but. yeah, I mean that year 2015 was really special for me. And I guess moving on now into this
6: next chapter after the Aussie Open finishes, uh, I know you're engaged to uh, beautiful Brit. Um, I'm assuming there's going to be a marriage sometime uh, later this year I guess yeah. um,
9: at some stage. Yeah, in November the plan so we've moved back here to Melbourne, uh, she graduated from college in the States and moved back sort of mid last year. and. Got ourselves a, a couple of puppies who are... Is that just a bit of practice, the puppies first? Well, yeah, Before that's, the, that's or... the idea. I think she was trying to keep me, uh, <laughs> keep me happy until, until uh, she was prepared to have some babies. So It's been a lot, a lot of fun playing
6: with you over the years, and uh, you've done yourself and your family extremely proud. So Thanks, all the best mate. in the
1: future. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Thanks, mate. With the Australian Open known as the Happy Slam,
2: what better time to ask the players for their definition of happiness? Oh, a lot of things make me happy, um, but uh, I do uh, in, enjoy the nature. I like to, to walk around and see, it doesn't matter if it's a forest, a beach, the nature I, I enjoy, and that make, can make me very happy.
0: Being able to work outdoors in the sunshine, running around in shorts in front of people who, who pay to see you, um, I think it's easy to forget that, but I think that is something that really makes everybody happy. Just happiness is just to be with my family, with my girlfriend, all together to spend some uh, nice moments.
8: What makes me happy? um, I think challenging myself, coming through certain obstacles, I think learning from my experiences from a personal standpoint, and I think also spending time with uh, family and friends is very meaningful to me. So that's a good combination. You know, I think uh, having happy people around uh, just uh, going through the days in a happy mode, in a relaxed but a professional mode uh, when, when doing things on the court, but uh, gathering yourself with uh, happy people and uh, having good time, uh, you know, throughout the days. Um, great crowd, good surroundings. Yeah, happy people, of course. A lot of things, but in general, I'm a player. I like to play. And that's how I see my life. I always try to find some game to play. That's also why I'm a tennis player but even outside the court and uh, you cannot play every time, but I think it's kind of a habit, you know, that you have in any situation, even when you are bored, even if you are, try to, yeah, try to look somewhere to have some fun.
10: What makes me happy is when I play good on the court, I'm just happy. What really makes me happy in my life is
0: um, being with my friends.
1: The views of Robin Hasse, Robert Lindsted, David Goffin, Kevin Anderson, Marin Cilic, Philip Coltschreiber, Gilles Simon, Hyun Chung and Damir Jumhor. You're listening to ATP Tennis Radio. For
5: tickets to ATP World Tour Masters 1000 events, go to the ATP World Tour website and click on tournaments.
1: So with the Australian Open over for another year, attention now turns back to the regular ATP World Tour And before that, the Davis Cup, which also sparked debate between ATP Tennis Radio commentators Peter Marcato and Arvin Palmer and Great Britain Davis Cup captain Leon Smith. The question up for discussion, how can France produce so many Davis Cup winning teams yet fail to create a Grand Slam champion since the early 80s?
2: It's that volume thing. The more people you have playing, the more likely you are to find those who are going to be high achievers and then you start to build them up. So the more volume you have right at the very bottom, you're, you might only get a handful, but that will be enough to sustain your tennis for that particular generation and the others coming behind, well, but you need that base first. Well, it certainly
3: helps, and the Envy, if you look at a couple of nations in France, which has the largest volume of the like grassroots, and then obviously as it streams into the top, because they are just so healthy from the grassroots all the way through the coaching system, competition structure. So, and then you look at us, that, and France is a very cash rich tennis nation, but then you go to Argentina and you look at them, they've got like a living in the top 100 or something as well in the men's side. It's unbelievable. They don't have a. Uh, as much of a structure, but they've got unbelievable healthy club structure So it's just flooded, and then the competition gets so good, and then because of so many players, they get so many good
2: coaches that are recycled yeah, back into the game. Developing on the right surfaces as well as yeah. young kids on the clay, the weather, all these kind of things help. You know, you're not you're not scrounging around. Come the winter time, you're still you know outside and in good weather, still continuing with you know good coaching. So all of these little things uh, add up to to being a, a huge advantage. So, but is there a problem, though? Just, we were talking about uh, the French players last week and so many French players have been remarkably consistent, but they haven't had that player who's been right at the very top in terms of winning majors on a regular basis to being world number one. Does it... it which one would you take? Do you, you, take can't one, you can't one? have everything. That one. Everything. Well, I'm sure I want everything.
3: <laughs> they keep having players at the top of the game. What would you prefer? Oh, it's such a difficult question. I mean, it's, it's, su- what you, it's, <laughs> it's.
2: I guess it's what you get used to as well. Okay, if, you know you've you haven't had a Grand Slam champion since uh, Yannick Noah. You want that so desperately, but you've you've had plenty of players inside the top ten, winning Masters, 1000 events, going deep in slams and everything. So you're just just so desperate. It's only until that's gone actually realized actually weren't actually in, in too terrible shape yeah, here yeah. and now at the moment there's a little, perhaps a little bit of a transition going on with the you know the likes of simon and a song has done really well actually no d- doubt about that but he's not getting any younger as well so these guys are probably in the autumn of of their career but you know the likes of luca pui you know these are the, the i mean especially him he's the one that's got a he's the one that's coming out that pack isn't he? so yep. young and such a big game but yeah as Leon said, it's such, it's such a, a tough one, isn't it? It's so desperate to, to, I, to have I think, a grand I, champ think I
3: think I'll go with the bias. I, I would much rather, <coughs> having sat and watched what Andy has done over the last few years and Jamie, I would take that uh, over
2: having depth this now. <laughs> no, <I> just, <laughs> as a federation, it's a difficult one. Yes. Because you're investing in players, so you want to see a whole crop of players doing well, but also you want to get to the pinnacle. And I think that's the icing on the cake. If you can, after all that, that investment, all that development you get a grand slam champion at the end of it but it is so difficult
1: while most of the top players are now busy preparing for the upcoming ATP 250 and 500 events one superstar of the game is quietly going about his business on the challenger tour Ken Ishikori is going back a step in his road to recovery from a wrist injury which is all bringing back memories of his maiden ATP Challenger Tour title 10 years ago.
10: I remember, um, I forgot the city, I'm in the country, Bermuda, yeah Bermuda. It was a very important, important Challenger win for me. Um, I think before I got injured and uh, I had a cerebral, uh, elbow surgery, so this win was very important. Yeah, it's always you know great to, to play challenges to, to get more confidence and you you get more experience to, to how to win the match and uh, you know it's more difficult you know getting more and more uh, challenges to ATP tour, but you know to to win couple title in challenges it's very important.
1: And with Nishikori is long-time coach Michael Chang, who's been speaking with Josh Myzels.
5: You know, I think he's been getting better every day, but you know, he hasn't played matches now in, in over six months. So, yeah. you know, it's nice to be out there, and I'm sure, you know, getting used to the crowd, getting used to the atmosphere, and you know, um, hopefully getting a few more matches under his belt. What have you guys been working on specifically to get him back into like match shape and and ready to hit the courts? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, over the past you know couple of weeks, I mean, we've been Trying to play a lot more, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, play a lot more practice sets. Obviously, he has the ability to be able to do that with a lot of the guys around. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think that's part of it, Um, you know, part of trying to get, you know, back into kind of match toughness and match play. And, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, again, I think that was one of the differences in in Newport versus here. So it's been good. Uh, He's getting more and more comfortable with that, and, um, and he's improving little by little. What was sort of the reasoning behind starting his comeback on the Challenger tours? Is it just getting more matches and yeah. I mean, okay. obviously, you know, we were thinking, we were hoping he would start out in Australia. Um, yeah. You know, sign up obviously to play in Brisbane and and Sydney, um, but you know he wasn't ready yet, so you know he didn't want to didn't want to force it. You know, kind of work out a little bit of the cobwebs and and uh, hopefully have a good week here in Dallas, and uh, you know hopefully by the time he reaches New York, um, you know he'll be you know, completely, you know mindset and match mm-hmm. tough and, and ready to go really, really ready to start his year on the you know the main tour and what are your short-term goals for him um in the come in this comeback any ranking goals specifically or just no. just playing no just effort yeah. just effort every day okay um you know not, not too concerned about you know all of those other rankings and things like that because the ranking obviously is not a, a true reflection of of how good he is um you know, which uh, my goal is just every day every day put 400 effort and um you know and uh we'll take it from there just shifting just a little bit to your memories of playing on the challenger tour i mean coming back to an atmosphere like this so you don't you don't see this traveling with k around the world every day right um what are your memories of competing i mean it was a while ago but yeah competing at this level i actually didn't play that many challengers i played a few you know when i was very young, I played a few when um, you know, kind of a, toward the latter stages of my career. Yeah. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I think it's you know these tournaments I think are, are great. Um, they're they're not easy tournaments. Um, no. You think that uh, you know they'd be easier because they're the challengers and the players are ranked lower, but you know the guys are hungry. They're eager to play out here. Um, you know, a lot of them are. Um, been on tour for a while and there's some guys that are obviously up and coming, but um there are no easy matches here. You know, I think in, in many ways, in certain ways, that you know if you're able to gut out, you know, tough challenger matches, I mean it really will make you tougher um, you know, heading into the main tour.
1: That's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Remember you can listen to the ATP Tennis Radio channel 24-7 on TuneIn and on ATPworldtour.com. Please let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a review on iTunes. For now though, enjoy the tennis, see you next week.